You're listening to The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. With us today is Brian Wolf, President and CEO of Parker Technology. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great, Isaiah. How are you? I'm good, man. I uh, you know, first want to say thank you to you and Parker Technology. You guys have uh, definitely kept the lights on for The Parking Podcast as our uh, sponsor uh, the past few years. So thank you so much. Really, I, I do mean that. I really would not be doing it without people like you and some of these other companies that have stepped up to sponsor. So thank you for that. And then uh, you're uh, welcome. Yeah. Happy to do it. Thank you, man. And secondly, you're a, uh, a re second, second time guest on the podcast. I know we've yeah. had a few that have been on twice. So happy to have you back on. Uh, we spoke about maybe a little more than a year ago, but uh, for those of us that aren't familiar with Parker, tell us maybe a little bit about what Parker does and then we'll talk about what's new. Yeah, sure. So, so when somebody asks me to give them an elevator speech, uh, it's really very straightforward. Uh, it's, you know, 20 years ago, there were humans in the lane, cashiers in the lane to help a guest when they came to the gate. And when the cashiers started going away, those cashiers were replaced with machines. And those, those automated parking equipment machines have help buttons on them but there really was not a lot of infrastructure put in to catch the help calls because, you know, the machine would never break. And so the, you know, nobody would ever hit the help button. And so what we know is that that help button gets pushed 85 million times a year in a parking facility in the United States and 60 million of the times, 85% of the time, it is because the human broke, not because the machine broke. We know that machines, you know, ticket jams and out of tickets and all of that happens about 15% of the time. The other 85% of the time, it's it's actually a human who's broken in front of the technology, in front of the machine. And, uh, and so we've built a business around helping customers when they're stuck behind a gate or stuck in a parking facility, they don't know what to do. Uh, we give them a live person to talk to. And then we have a patent or we have four patents actually that allow us to deliver two-way video in a parking facility. So if somebody presses the help button and they see a a human on the other side, kind of like a Zoom session, um, that is Parker technology, whether it's going back to our call centers or it's going back to someone, another operator's call center, that two-way video is Parker technology underneath. And that's what we do a lot. Yeah. And that's interesting. I did not know that, that other, maybe people that have their own call center internally or an operator, they can still use the Parker technology with their people. So that's pretty interesting that you guys sell this maybe as a software, as a solution as well. That's exactly right. And that's, that's probably, that's probably changed. That's maybe one of the, that's not certainly not the biggest change, but that is one of the changes where we've had others ask us if they could use the underlying platform. And it just makes so much sense because a lot of times, you know, the beauty is if you have the the platform on both sides in their call center and ours, then sometimes you can move the calls because you've got call offs. We've got a customer down in Florida that evacuated their call center because of Hurricane Ian. And uh, with a relatively easy click of a button, we could move all of the calls to our call centers, allow them to go home and take care of their families and then come back uh, when the hurricane had passed and all because of the magic of it's the same platform underneath. Wow. Yeah. You think about, you know, civil unrest or natural disasters. There's times where 
we want to get the people, our cashiers, our employees, our ambassadors out of there. And we have solutions like yours to help. And your whole solution sounds like it was birthed out of COVID, but no, you guys have been doing this well before COVID. And it just seems like it's just the way the industry was moving. And you guys had some uh, idea of that early on. Can you talk about a little bit about the genesis of it? Like when you guys started doing this? Yeah, so for sure. So so the, the company ex- has existed in some way, shape or form since 2004. It was really used as an internal call center for a parking operator. Denison Parking was the, was the uh, original sort of the genesis of the call center. But what happened is, is as soon as the, the two-way video platform had gotten developed, then others wanted to use that platform or they wanted to take advantage of the platform. And so in 2014, 2015, they decided to offer the platform, the two-way video capabilities to other operators. I joined the company in January of 2016. And so they split it away from Denison. We have our own PL, we've got our own board. We're totally independent from Denison Parking now, other than the fact that they're still an owner of the company, one owner of the company. We, we have now today 180 different customers serving 650 or 660 facilities in 42 states around the United States. So it's, it's a lot more than just a single operator today. Wow. Wow, that's I love hearing the the genesis and the first person that had the idea to do the two way video, you know, kind of the light bulb and mapping it out, and I'm sure that's a whole nother podcast in and of itself. So yeah, um, for sure. And speaking, we're kind of talking about you know kind of the digital transformation, the evolution of the parking industry. But I wasn't able to attend MPA this year, but I did get my hands on the presentation you did with Will of Parking. Um, yep. I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Can you give us kind of a brief teaser of the presentation? Yeah, I, I think what what we were trying to convey is that through this digital transformation, uh, the parking operators in the in the U.S. now are under enormous pressure on a couple of different fronts. First, they have to be able to meet their customers where they are. In other words. You know, it's not as simple as just throwing up the gates or throwing up the, the roll bars and allowing the cars to flow in. You have you have individuals now that are searching for parking a lot sooner. So you've got to have a social media presence. You have to have a digital presence. You have to be able to offer people the ability to find a parking space before they even head to the venue that they're going to. And then you've got all kinds of technology coming into the industry. And Will really spoke to sort of his recipe for coping with trying to figure out what technology should go in the garage and how you choose a partner and you know what, what is the right timing for when you put capabilities, technological capabilities in the garage and or do you just rely on partners to help you do it? Because it can be overwhelming. And through all of it, What's the the hardest part of that is that the cars are still coming. And so the core business of parking cars is still has to be a focus. It's just a matter of how people find you, how they pay for it. And then what happens, frankly, when they get stuck, which is obviously a big part of what we do. Mm, Yeah, because there was a slide that kind of alluded to what you're talking to, how, you know, uh, the customer mix has changed or adapting solutions to your customers. Cause I had people say, you know, I read an article on gateless. I want to go gateless and I'd say, well, you know, 
you fill up every day at 6.30 in the morning, you have an issue, you're trying to keep people out of the garage, so maybe right. gateless isn't the best. Or, you know, I want gates and, you know, we think you could save a million dollars by going gateless. It's just looking at the customer, looking at the account and figuring out the best solution. Is it, do you need ambassadors or do you, could you use Parker technology for your, for your intercoms and just looking at it garage by garage. But another one, you also talked just that the evolution of the customer mix in general, just, you know, with, with COVID, maybe we have less monthlies now we have, cause some are working from home half the week, working in the office two days a week. So now they're transient customers and I'm sure this is happening everywhere, but um, yeah. maybe people going to events that used to be event parking, but now they get the season passes. So maybe, maybe I just stole your whole spiel, but talk about maybe how the customer mix has changed and yeah, um, yeah what this means for, for us. Yeah. What, what's amazing is because we have so many customers, we, we, we can take a pretty a broad survey of actually what's happening in the industry. And it's striking how consistent it is by geography. So Will talked a lot about how during COVID, Texas became a destination state because it was open, just like Florida became a destination state. But California was still relatively closed down. Some of the other, some of the other states were still relatively closed down. And so he could see the difference in his business regionally, first of all. And then second, um, you know, monthly sort of held on. We we all saw that monthly Parker sort of held on, and some of them are still holding on because they don't want to lose their primo spot. But monthly, as monthly is beginning to tail off, the transient parking is coming up, and and I think you you touched on it. It it's a portion of that transient transient parking population is is really monthly a monthly Parker who doesn't want to pay for monthly parking anymore because they're only coming to the office once or twice a week. Uh, and then the third thing is, I think some of our some of our customers in areas where through COVID they were relatively open, and even now, their event revenue is off the charts because people were coped up or cooped up for so long they just wanted to get out and do things, go to concerts, go to pro sports sporting events, and so. In a lot of ways, the operators are are um, some of my operators are having banner years this year because the mix has changed to a more profitable mix, and the events parking is is off the chart. So I, I hope everybody that's listening to this is nodding their heads because they're also having, you know, after after taking the beating that the industry took during COVID, it's it's good to see customers that are not only back on their feet but thriving. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, you know, I knew that, but never kind of put it into words how you're right. You know, some states were open, some states were totally closed off or had passport systems and um, how that changed your customer mix where a state in the past that wasn't the destination where everyone was packing up and, and going for vacation, all of a sudden everyone's heading that way. So um, that's interesting and in how we as uh, in the parking industry have adapted to that. So uh Spot on. I, I, man, I wish I could have been at that presentation. So, uh, similar, you know, we talk about different customers and um, different garages and different garage technologies for, for uh, different, different types of users. But I don't know. I, I think it'd be interesting to talk about how you, uh, if, if someone were to implement Parker, kind of how you set that up. So, can you talk a little bit about 
kind of how you figure out the needs and, and get a garage going. Maybe, you know, a residential garage is going to have more overnight customers trying to let their friends in versus an airport that probably more lost tickets or, or whatever, you know, how do you yeah. tailor your solution for your different uh, users? Yeah. Well, one, one of the big stars of our service is the software platform itself. And so you hit the nail on the head. The, the facility is the center of the universe because every facility has different rules. There's different people coming in parking in that facility. There's different reasons for wanting to treat them special and or not. And so we've built a software platform that captures all of those rules. And then we'll take you through, we'll take our customers through an initial implementation process that probably feels like 120 questions, but it's generally, we can, we're, we're pretty good about asking 20 questions or so. If this happens, what do you want us to do? If th that happens, what do you want us to do? What's more important to you? Is customer experience more important to you is, or is capturing revenue more important to you? And then all of those rules get loaded into the software. And part of the magic of what we've done is the rules are different, but the rules are in the same place in the in the software platform itself. And so we have a, we have CSRs coming in, new CSRs coming in all the time. And within a week or two weeks, they're taking calls from all 650 facilities. And they can do that because the software tells them what to do. And they just have to bring a curious mind and a desire to dig in and find the information, get the information, and then deliver a great customer experience because the software is, is, their, is their biggest crutch. And so somebody comes in, yes, my garage is unique. Of course it's unique. We know that. We got 650 unique garages. The software will capture all of that needs to be done. And then our CSRs are just going to execute that call the way they've executed all the other calls before it because they know where the information is and they can grab it quickly and get that customer either paid and on their way or you know we certainly can raise the gate if it's a hospital and you know they just paid fifty thousand dollars for a hip it, the two dollars or three dollars for parking isn't that important but the rules will tell them that and so they can get them out of the garage and get them going yeah and that's exactly how it was explained to me I was in the municipal world I was in the Northeast where you know our client's directive was, I don't care if it's 50 cent, we don't let them out unless we get our money. And then I went, my next garage was a hospital where they said, I hate to bring this up on the podcast, but you know, if hey, they have a loved one dying, they don't know where their ticket is. They just heard the news. They they just need to get out of the garage and get home. And, you know, if, if they're saying they don't have their ticket and they're crying, get them out of the garage, you know. So right. it's, it's, you know, relaying that and using your software to have those notes in the system where your ambassadors know kind of what the client wants, what the rules are, and then can enforce it that way. So yeah, well done. Um, again, we talked a lot about the Parkers. Maybe, you know, this this presentation day was about the digital transformation. Yeah. Um, again, Parker's been around since 2004. You joined 2016. But even since maybe since you've been there the last six years, kind of what changes have you seen where People were asking six years ago, where do I stick my bill in versus I have this QR code where I scan it? I don't know, but just maybe talk about what you've yeah. seen, what you guys are seeing as far as the how parkers are changing, how they pay or how they reserve or how they uh, how they park. Yeah, I, it's all those things because 
as capabilities transform around reserving parking and paying for parking, you know, this, the phone is the center of the universe now. You can do just about anything you want on your phone. I think I was just talking about this with Gary Means in Lexington the other day. The hard part for parking operators is that despite the fact that you've got this population that wants to do everything on your phone, on their phone, you still have to serve in certain places a population that only has cash. And so it seems like the spectrum is getting broader and broader and broader around the the ways that people can pay or the people ways that people want to pay, but it's still anchored in, I don't have a credit card. I want to pay with cash. And while that number is getting smaller, it's not zero. And for those operators that are trying to capture every cent to get back to where they were and or to just maximize revenue for their owners, it gets really challenging to try and figure out what how much technology you put into your facility and when and then what type of, of technology you put in there. And so when I think back from six years ago, those decisions, I, I, you know, the running joke here sometimes is the first, the first uh, show I went to was Pi in Chicago in 2015. And first I was just blown away. Uh, anybody that's heard me talk can talk about how I was one of those naive Park or naive people that, <laughs> that thought that parking was simple, right? Yeah, you pull yeah. a ticket, you park a car, how hard could it be? And then I, you walk into the exhibit hall or you look through the agenda and you realize that it's 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 a lot more complicated. And then you get into it, obviously, six and a half or seven years later now. It's it's mind-numbing. We just had a I just had a conversation with a huge hospital complex where he, he's wrestling with nurses that want to be able to park in two different garages that are the same. So it's the same umbrella medical center, but it's two different facilities and they have to have prox cards or they have to have access cards that allow them to get into two different places. And that seems like the most simple thing in the world, but somebody has to write software that allows that to happen to give them access to those different places. This is the kind of thing that's happening in parking that is you know, it's great for progress because it's easier to reserve and pay for parking, but it's the parking operators, the, the people that are running these garages that have to make technology decisions. It's really difficult. It's, it's, it's quite a challenge. And we'll all get through it, but it's, um, it, it's going to, you know, I, I think there's just a lot more that can be done from a vendor perspective to connect the dots on the back end and to, to give our operator customers more information about what's going on in the garage to make decisions at higher levels so that you're not putting so much pressure on the garage manager. You can you can make a decision, you can put decision support systems in place that allow upline managers to make broader des- decisions about the garage, whether it's a rate change, whether it's, hey, we've clearly got a machine that's that's not operating properly or something like that. We've we've got to get better as vendors to connect the dots behind the scenes and then give our operators more information about what's going on in the garage. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, And I hate to put you on the spot here. I don't know if you have kind of these stats or have ever researched this, but just curious again, like, you know, maybe since you started or when the company started in 2004, do you kind of have in 2010... 22% 22% of transactions were credit card in 2015, so 47% of transactions. I don't know. Do you Have you seen kind of um, how payments have changed? Do you have data like that? I know you could probably go 
just yeah rounding off in your head kind of what you think sure. it is but i was just curious what you what you've seen as far as payment uh mode yeah i, I think that um what i the the most recent stat i've seen is that credit card payments are up into the 90s and and in some cases that wow. has given operators the resolve to say no we're we're, we're just going to stop taking cash in fact it, it will touched on it he's got a couple of facilities uh, I don't even remember if it was in Texas, but where he he has stopped taking cash. But, you know, Gary Means probably doesn't have that. He doesn't have that liberty as a municipality, right? So Will, the private operator, can can choose not to take cash in that garage. If you don't have cash, you can't par- park here. But in a municip- municipal facility, maybe a university facility where it's it's uh, there's more benevolence, if you will, they, they still have to meet the customers where they are. And again, that just continues to stretch them. They're anchored in cash and that yet they have to, they have to bring the latest and greatest. The university is probably a great example of that, right? Because you have students, 18, 19 years old that have grown up on phones. They want to pay and use their phone. And you've got faculty who've been at that university for 40 years and they probably don't want to use cash, but, but they want to use the systems they're used to. And that kind of a spectrum of technology and use cases puts a lot of pressure on parking operators to, to meet their customers where they are. And it gets hard. And ultimately, what we found and what's true, which is, which is universal, it doesn't matter if you're somebody super comfortable, you're an 18-year-old super comfortable with a phone or you're a, you're a tenured professor with, uh, with not, not nearly as uh, comfortable with technology a certain percentage of those people fail in the face of technology and they need help. And that's one of the reasons that we have a lot of confidence that Parker is going to continue to grow at the rate it's growing because no matter how much technology you pour into a garage, you're still going to have people get stuck and they still need help. And that's really why the, why our business is flourishing right now. Yeah. And I wonder if there'll be new forms of payments like you'll, You'll see where, you know, right now it's ninety percent credit card. Well, maybe surprisingly reservations. Yeah, granted those are with credit card, but you know you start seeing more and more reservations or how these auto payments from automated cars or connected cars integrate with payment systems in the future. I, I think it'd be interesting to track kind of payments through the years. Um, yeah, I'm sure a lot of our park systems can tell us that too, but. Well, again, one very important thing as we talk about the digital transformation and different payments and different solutions and Parker solutions is how important uh, the integration is between different parking vendor platforms. Do you have yeah. any thoughts on that? Because I think you touched on this in, in your in your presentation. Yeah, the the you know it's it's difficult. So any any certainly a private operator that comes into the mix, it, it is it's hard because you a lot of times you'll inherit systems. And, and even when you go put in a new system, all, it's hard to be all things to all people. And so I've, I've made the case for the fact that on the vendor side, we have got to get good at connecting behind the scenes and sharing information back and forth so that the customer feels a frictionless experience, but it's touching on four or five different systems in order to make that happen. And so as as the, the public gets more demanding around, okay, I want this frictionless parking experience. I think that the pressure is on the vendors on the, on the backside and it's happening. Uh, we, we are, 
literally building API bridges to a half a dozen systems as we speak, because we recognize the value of having putting more information in the hands of the CSR. The better the information is, the better we can take care of the customer, ultimately get that customer to pay to make the gate go up and make it feel like a more connected more frictionless experience. Oh, I can see their last 10 track transactions. I can see you just used your card to let someone out. Is there a chance that you let your buddy out, right? And so the more information I have, the better I can tailor the experience for the customer. And so the the the, the pressure now, or the not the pressure, but the impetus for the, the on the vendor side is that we've got to open our systems up. We've got to be willing to share information, obviously in a secure way, and, and we've got to be able to make it so that all of the information flows across these systems more seamlessly in the name of delivering a better customer experience and helping customers find and pay for parking. I think my biggest pet peeve in the industry, I got to be careful. <laughs> I understand that, you know, sometimes there's a need to charge because there's maybe custom programming vendors have to do to integrate into a new system that you know, let's face it, there's a new parking company every hour or something like that. Just, yeah. there's always something new in the industry. Um, but when it's like when partners make it very difficult to integrate, you know, whether it's a, it's going to cost $30,000 to integrate for us to build this API for you, or it's going to take 12 months to, to do this. I don't know. I don't want to go, I'm going to get off on a chasing, what's the expression? Chasing rabbit holes, but it's just like, if the API is built, why can't we make this easier? Because everyone wins when everything's connected. And I don't know. I, I don't really have a clear thought here, but it's just a pet yeah. peeve of mine when it's like, sure, it'll be $25,000. It'll take us seven months to get this integrated. I'm like, you know, hey, we're going to make a change. Thank you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anyways. Well, I think the, the good news is those days are changing. So 10 years ago, even seven years ago, when, when I started, even, even Parker's platform was an island. It was a closed system. And we recognized three years in that we had to build a platform that was extensible. And so it literally in the middle of the pandemic, we built and launched our Gen 4 platform that is extensible so that it can talk to other systems. And so the days of $30,000 or the, the days of trying to pass all of that cost on to the to, to one customer, I think those, you're going to see those days waning because the value of that connectivity extends well beyond that single customer. And as we get more savvy and it gets easier to connect these systems, the cost will come down. By the way, that sometimes the pain is no less. You've got to have smart people on the back end trying to figure it out because these are not... Um, these are not universal plugs. You're trying to make them as, as universal as you can, but every system's unique. And so you've still got to build unique connections. It's just that the mindset of the industry has to be to, to switch to open versus being closed. We, they've, you know, the industry has been, uh, like all industries, protective of information, protective of their customers and all of those things. And, and everybody wants to keep their customers. I just think that the expectation that the information has to flow more freely across these systems, which might be really uncomfortable for them at first, but I, ultimately I think they'll benefit from it because customers will be able to find them that they didn't even know existed because the information's out there. And so 
as much as they're worried about protecting customers they they can see if they're visible they'll also be visible to customers they don't have today which is the upside that's the benefit to being open with their information their inventory or what have you it's they'll win more customers in the end or they'll be able to compete so yes. that was a long-winded answer but no I, I think i think we're getting better at it and yeah. so it's just going to take us it's going to take time and ipmi has helped with that as well we've had mike uh dro uh, if you've ever had the chance to talk with him or listen to some of his presentations at the conferences talk about the i forget what it's called but the data alliance for parking yeah. standards and yeah how the industry's coming together to make it easier for everyone, like you said, because it's critical. So, uh, Brian, I have a very important question for you, a very sensitive question, but we're live on the podcast and I'm going to spit it out there. So <laughs> it's early November. We're recording this. Is Michigan going to beat Ohio State and get into the playoffs? <laughs> oh, what a great question. You know, I, I this will be one of those, cha- those times where I'll say, I don't know. The... The pressure is going to be on our our secondary for sure, right? <laughs> C.J. Stroud is he's the real deal. Elite. And then and then I I'll tell you the um and I, I hope I don't hate myself for saying this because it's going to be recorded for all of all time. Think, you know, <laughs> J.J. McCarthy's got to he's got to step up. He's he's got to he's got to be better. He mm-hmm. he is looking like a young quarterback, whereas what Stroud is a a young quarterback too. He doesn't he looks different. Mm-hmm. Um. And so um, we all know that controlling the line of scrimmage matters. I feel pretty good about that. But we also know that quarterbacks matter. And if I'm comparing uh, our quarterback to theirs, I think I think JJ's got to get better in yes. order for us to have a chance. And then you know, and then the the ultimate it's, it's at Columbus. It's is, at Columbus. That's right. It's at yeah. the shoe. The ultimate imbalance is where. What's the venue? And so I don't want to, and then the other thing is, you know, we're, we've, we've only beat them one out of what, 14 or 15 years. And hey, so we I, have I, not, I, we have, we have not lost them in over 1100 days. <laughs> so, so I, I want to, you know, I, I want to just, I, I want to be realistic, right. I want to protect my heart. So, <laughs> cause you know, it's, um, yeah, it's it's sensitive. Now I will tell you that I have let's see, I have three Buckeyes uh on my leadership team. And so I'm surrounded by Buckeyes and um it it is proof that Buckeyes and Wolverines can work really well together because <laughs> we are we uh I I'm super proud of my my team and, and the work that we're doing every day. I love it. Yeah. And there's a big Ohio State parking and I used to help run the Ann Arbor parking. So uh, you're, you're right. It's a small world, small industry, but I think it's so fun. So Brian is a Michigan alum and I'm a diehard Michigan fan. So we always talk about this. So thank you for, if you're still listening and haven't jumped off, thank you for listening. <laughs> so how can listeners learn more or follow along with all that is going on with Parker technology? Yeah. So you can, you can find us on LinkedIn and I've, um, I've been told that, that sometimes it's a, it's a bit much. We're, we're posting a lot of great information. So hang with us. Uh, and then obviously you can find us at helpmeparker.com, www.helpmeparker.com and, uh, and follow us because there's a lot of great stuff going on. We, we, um, 
we grew 15% through COVID and now we're growing 70% year over year. And so, Oh my uh, gosh. It, yeah. And you guys also got some funding, maybe a quick shout out yeah. to, uh, about that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we, we, uh, we took a second round of funding in June. It was largely the same, uh, the, the same investor base as before we added a couple of, couple of folks that, uh, that were, that were sort of close to, close to the business that liked what they saw. And that that two million dollars is really it's 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 about sales and marketing, and it's about building technological bridges. It, it is about connecting the industry. So we we are literally putting our money where our mouth is. I'm saying that it's important, and then we're going out and doing it because we are committed to driving connectivity, sharing information, and then creating a better parking experience through the use of information sharing and technology it's that's the only way forward for the industry and and we want to be at the forefront of that no i love it i'll put that uh the website and the linkedin information in the show notes congrats on the funding congrats on that crazy unprecedented growth man that's so awesome and kudos to you and tammy and heidi and your whole team and yeah so thank you for joining the podcast and thanks for your mentorship uh, throughout the years and hope you have a great week and go blue. Yeah, go blue indeed. Thanks you. I yeah. thank you Isaiah. I appreciate uh, the opportunity for being on here and uh and I'm a big fan of the parking podcast. So, I'm <laughs> humbled to be here a second time for sure. Hey, thanks Brian. Talk soon. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Parker Technology, the customer experience solution of choice in the parking industry. Parker Solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Parker helps capture revenue, provides better customer service, enables your staff to focus on other on-site tasks, and keeps traffic moving, all according to your business rules. With the Parker solution, you'll also enjoy access to real-time call data and recordings. Learn more at helpmeparker.com slash parkingpodcast. This episode is brought to you by Tez Technology. Since 1993, Tez has developed innovative text-based mobile solutions designed to streamline operations, increase efficiency, and improve overall customer experiences. My favorite is the ability to pay for parking without having to download an app. Tez Solutions includes SMS valet, text to park, permit to park, and much more. I think every organization or city or university should be adding Tez to their payment options arsenal. Learn more about Tez at tezhq.com.